Episode 85, I drop with your own Erkin. Yeah, what a G. This guy is just a badass, and he's an artist out of New York who's doing all sorts of really cool things. Namely, he reached out to me initially to work on this project that he has. It's an art gallery that's parkour themed and about flow state and meditative state and how they all intermingle. And also he's done a thesis on how parkour athletes and skateboarders and other artists repurpose architecture and repurpose spaces to their own delights and kind of the origins of that. And we talk about these projects a little bit and we just talk about all sorts of really interesting things. He's a really cool gifted mind for parkour and some injuries kind of took him out of you know the athletic side as much but he's been contributing so much to parkour and you'll you'll have met him or known him probably if you're embedded in the community really deeply um and yeah, it's just really cool. It's it's been fun hanging out and talking with him. I'm I'm honored to be a part of his project and as you guys will hear, he's got some other great things on the horizon potentially. So, this is something that's kind of the first of its kind. He's doing the visual gallery and or excuse me, a digital gallery, which is pretty badass and we we explain all of that and we talk about all sorts of things. We get real deep into our philosophies on parkour because that's very intertwined with the theme of his um art project and so I hope you guys dug this one. It's been a really good pleasure for me to to talk with him and he interviews me a little bit, which um, it's fun to get out some details about old challenges and the ways that I think about things. I always appreciate that because I don't always think about this until the question is asked. So thank you, Yaron, for everything you do. And we'll have him back on as soon as we can and when it makes sense because that gallery, that art gallery will launch later this year, it sounds like. So here he is. And thank you guys for listening. How should we get started? Do I repeat like the same type of questions or should we go into uh, updates first? No, yeah. Tell me what's going on. How's what the updates with the project? Yeah. So like a gallery space um, was hoping for it to be physical. Mm-hmm. Now it's seemingly harder. With the virus or just? Yeah, the virus mostly. Just like, <laughs> where, where am I going to have a gallery space during COVID? Um, so I am looking into making a virtual gallery now. Whoa, what does that entail? So let me send you a link in chat. It's called implied.gallery, I think. Let me just double check. I don't give you a virus. Um, yeah, that should be right. I got, I got a healthy immune system, dude. It's all good. <laughs> you can send it my way. I'm not gonna, not gonna be too shy about it. Hey, as long as you're inside. <laughs> um, and I'm not, actually. That's one of the reasons you got a healthy immune system is if you don't go, if you have to go outside, you need vitamin D. It's good for you. That's one of the things that I learned at my new job. Dude, this is cool. This Is this yours? No, this is my friend's. Oh. But click around and like get closer to things? Yeah. This is kind of my plan for what I'm doing with mine. Mm-hmm. except his looks like a gallery space i'm debating making mine look more meditative looking 
Oh, yeah. And abstract. Just because like, if it's in virtual reality, you might as well make it more virtual. Mm-hmm. But I'm debating the pros and cons between them. So um, my current plan is to first foremost make this gallery space online and virtual so I can put it out there yeah. and then show it to people and be like, hey, this is what I want to do in your gallery after COVID. Do this work. Sick. Let's make it happen. That sounds awesome. That's like actually really interesting because in a way, I mean, it makes it so much more accessible because obviously I couldn't go to the gallery mm-hmm. unless I, I went to New York or wherever. So it could really, you could get a lot more people on board and then more likely to, you know, get gallery space probably with well, the backing of the community or whoever's interested. Um, what I liked about it was, you know, parkour being the sport that came from the internet that having a gallery that's online kind of makes more sense for our sport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually more than, I mean, it, it does take away the cool factor of it in a way because it's not an actual gallery, but I think it's a good first step. I agree. Yeah. It does go in keeping with the sport. Like that was the original parkour. I mean, it is, it, it has always been a virtual art gallery in a way, you know? Yep. Exactly. When you think about it, it's like we all just making art, making videos. And until you kind of get off the ground and start traveling and meeting up with people and seeing spots in person, like that's all you have. And that's where a lot of people's inspiration came from was just mm-hmm. the videos, right? I mean, everyone I talked to is like, I saw Porker video and I started being like, whatever. I saw Jump London, I saw Jump Britain. So, yeah, like same with me. Same for me. It was, uh, what was my first video? Professor Longhair, I think, and Lee Evolution were my first two videos. Oh, yeah. So, like, this sport came from YouTube and the internet for me. Might as well just portray it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, and and it also goes in keeping with, you know, overcoming obstacles and shit, you know? It's like, all right, you got you to gotta get work with a virtual space. And now yeah. they're giving you the opportunity to, to figure that out, which is really... Um, but, but why I think it's cool though at the same time is because it's this virtual space and parkour has always been virtual maybe I can make the gallery kind of be an homage to like the past and how we like and almost like the history of parkour I can somehow portray because what I'm thinking now is if I'm creating a virtual gallery I have infinite amount of rooms mm-hmm. right like I have no I have nothing yeah yeah. So maybe one of my rooms can be for this project. Another one could be for another parkour project. And I can just create a parkour museum. Whoa. Parkour Hall of Fame, dude. <laughs> yeah, parkour. Right now. The Parkour History Museum. That's so epic that you're like, oh, actually, man. That down. Parkour Hall of Fame. Yo, this is actually super cool that you're, you're maybe creating this virtual museum and you can start putting together. I mean, I don't know what you want to do with it, but that's like Whatever. really interesting. Community, right? Yeah. yeah. Cause there's such an evolution, you know, there was obviously everything that came before them even putting it on video, you know, all the like training of the Amikaze that you hear about, you can read about, but it just was uncaptured. And then as soon as it started being captured, it like transformed and like caught fire basically or like all around the world. In some like 2004, I think it was like when it got viral. And it's interesting to see the progression too, because at one point manpower gap, right. Is like this insane. I mean, it's still a huge gap. But it's just, like, it looks absolutely untouchable to, like, Most. you as a civilian or somebody who, you know, has never trained parkour yet. Um, but now it's, like, I've never been there. I've never seen it. 
and I don't want to sound like a arrogant or anything, but I'm like, if I go there, I'm going to do that gap. Like I would go there and I would be planning on doing it. Like knowing that I'm capable basically. I feel like you are <laughs> just just comparing like myself to, to what's out there and like using, you know, whatever. And so it's so interesting that like you can, it's, it's changed. Obviously like tons of people have done it now. There's people who've jumped at barefoot and then flips. Um, oh, barefoot? That's like, Oh yeah. Did not know that. That's crazy. No roll either. Just a straight high drop. <laughs> Slap out. I mean, it looks like you can pile the rocks up and make size, like not a pad, but like a sort of, it's it, the looser the rocks are packed. That's always going to help a little bit with the absorption. But anyway. That's so funny. I had no clue. But yeah, Parker Hall of Fame. Good idea. Might, might end up turning it into something like that. I already found a sick domain name. I haven't gotten it yet, but I found it for $35 and it might as well. But I might not switch to Parker Hall of Fame because that's not taken. Um, yeah. In the zone. Io. In the zone. Ooh, yeah. But yeah, because I mean, uh, yeah, that's kind of like the theme of your project, right? It's just right, like, like meditative state, state, that zone, the flow state. But like, also, it could mean a lot of other things, and that's a really good, good domain name to have. Mm-hmm. It could be used for like any meditative practice. So like, in the zone. Com is untaken. You no, dot io. Oh, dot io. Yeah. And that's because it's a virtual gallery. .io is like a, what is .io? No, Do you know? Well, .com, I think this means .commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the most popular one because it's one of the first. But there's millions of .whatever. So there's .live, oh, yeah. .me, .journal, .world. Um, .everything. There's .crypto now. I got some crypto addresses that are like unstoppable blockchain yeah. domains that you don't have to re-up on the subscription anymore. Oh, really? Like it's not, I don't think it's, I haven't looked into it because I haven't had the time, but I don't have like a way, I don't know how easy it is to build a website on the blockchain anymore or right yet, but it will be easy enough, I'm sure soon enough. And I like the idea of these unstoppable domains. You don't have to re-up. No one's, you buy this, you buy the dot crypto or the bot, the dot zill is what it's called. Mm-hmm. The company that's made the token or whatever. It's complicated. I don't know if you're into blockchain or crypto. At I don't all, know anything about it yet. But basically... They're trying to like kind of decentralize the web. So you you have a host, right, for your server right now? Yeah. Or you have a host. Like somebody's you buying the domain name from somebody. Yeah, go But ahead. that person is like they're the ah, the mediator or whatever. They, they're the arbitrator of, of these dot blank domains. But they can control it basically. And, and the, the blockchain and all this, you know, decentralization movement is all about taking the power and giving it to the individuals and not having any middlemen. And so these blockchain domains, I don't know. I, I haven't like done the science and like, I don't know how to, it's coded or anything like that, but um, apparently that's the, the future is this, this free internet, this decentralized web where um, basically you won't have, you know, there won't be anyone who can moderate or shut down a website or, or pull it off or censor things, uncensorable, uncensorable content and un. That's called Zell. What's it called? Dot Zill or dot crypto is what they're like. You know, it could be, I mean, for all I know, it could be a complete scam and like, it's just, you know, they're getting people that are into blockchains and stuff, buying these domain names, but they never have value because if no one adopts it, if no one starts using this decentralized web platform or if everyone starts using it, but they don't use dot Zill domains, it might have no value, but they're selling these domain names. And for once a one time fee of, whatever it is. But my concern is if someone just owns it, what if like there's a corruption where like, you know, someone just takes your own Irkin.zil and mm-hmm. then I just can't ever get it back. There's yeah. no, 
there's no renewing, right? Yeah. Well, you can still sell it peer to peer or like whatever. They can sell it for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little Which, scary. It is a little scary, but also that was isn't that the same case with dot coms and dot ios. It is but like someone could still like hold that over your head. Like Aaron Erkin is is a. Uh, you know, they could just be like, we're not selling it to you unless you give me a shitload more money. Or, you know, there was a whole they thing even with Adam Dunlap and parkour.com and like all this other shit that I don't really know that much about. But there was a whole thing where mm-hmm. the guy that has the Take Flight brand, Adam Dunlap, have you heard of him? Yeah. He, he had bought like some domain names of athletes and things like that that, you know, got, there was a whole debate but about that. If I'm that. understanding it properly, every single year it has to be renewed, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to get parkour.com back from under... Adam Dunlap, they just need to go to the fence faster than him the next year. Yeah. Well, I, if I'm know. understanding it right, maybe. I'm I don't wrong. know if it's like, I don't know if, I think he would probably get first dibs on re-up. I don't think he would. Like probably. He forgets. Cause I know one time someone <laughs> for like a few minutes stole the domain from Google. Mm, really? They just took, they just had Google for a second. <laughs> they just like had to give it back eventually because like Google needs their domain back name. Yeah, that's like that. Might, that might have been like the wild web, like when it was first getting started. I don't know. Anyways, we're getting a little off topic, but it's like it's interesting to see. I like the idea of it because I don't like you know GoDaddy or um, or I don't know where you find them domain names, but like I don't yeah, like having. Totally. I don't like you know because a person is probably more reasonable than than you might think. You know, like maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe some person, but, but who's gonna buy? Who's gonna buy your domain name? Like, why would they, you know? Luckily for me, my name is unique enough. Yeah, your name is unique as shit. So you like, you probably don't have to worry about it. But even if you did, even if you did, it's like. Like, that's mine. Oh, nice. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. I feel like people whose name, even your name, bro. I'm not, actually, your name's okay. But like, I don't know. No, my name's too common. I can't get it. There's a realtor that has my name. Johnham.com. Like, that's going to be taken. And it's not going to be given back because the other person wants it or thousands of other people want it. So it's just like, yeah. Hard. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I think it would still be like, I don't know. Why am I, I'm, I'm arguing for no reason, but like, I still think it would be like, you could still do that with somebody re-upping the script, subscriptions every year is all I'm saying. I don't know that you get a window or not. Like if you only, I think you get to like decide if you want to like just renew it. Or I think allow it to go to oxygen. Yeah, you have to re- renew it. But I'm like, I wonder if there's actually even a window normally, or you decide if you let it get exposed to the open market, or if you just if you just keep renewing, it's never actually on um, for sale or whatever. I don't, I don't know. know. But anyway, interesting stuff happening in in the blockchain domain. <laughs> um. So I'm I just okay. I guess to bring it back to the project. Um, I've interviewed like eight people now. Mm. And so I have like 14, 15 hours of footage I need to then transcribe. Oh, <laughs> so boy. I was going to do that. My parents were like, there must be a more efficient way. Like some kind of like automatic trans- transcriber. And there is. And so I bought it. Yeah. And it saved my life. I'm doing it in, in minutes. I have um, this app called Descript. If you need it, it's super helpful. Ooh, I might um, have to get that because people would love to have that probably for the podcast episodes. Like a, like, a, like, a, like a text version could be really cool. Yeah. I know um, some podcasts do that. Like Reply All does that, I think. I don't know if you listen to Reply All or Giblet. 
No, I don't. But um, I can I can show you my screen and show you how it works. It's really cool. Just for a second. Do you see it? Oh yeah. So this is mine with Joe Hendo. Um. Slow Dude, I wonder if it's. I wonder if it has a hard time because Hendo's got the the foot accent, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> if it like has to switch back and forth between like British and English. Look, it American. automatically like transcribed like even by people. Like you know, they know which one's me, which one's Joe. I already have that's sketch actually. Now it's the deep fake software, yeah, right? It's like the actually they're getting Joe. They're getting Joe Hendo data. They're going to be able to transcribe him whenever. But now they, they know it. his voice, right? Now they yeah. know his voice. Um, but like, I'm taking like my favorite lines from it. So like, this is where like, I took out from like Joe's. And then eventually when I re-interview you, I'm going to do the same process. Mm. Just really efficient. Yeah, that's awesome. And then the other thing I was talking to you about last time, not to get off topic, was I was telling you about my other class project. I don't know if you remember my like my thesis that I'm working on. Um, about like public space. Oh, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Can you remind me? Refresh my. Yeah, so I finished my presentation on it. Um, I could even share it to you. Um, and this is just like my pre-thesis presentation, so it's not like the actual final one because it's next year. But essentially, let me just read you my um my thesis out one more time. Sorry for the disorganization. Yeah, it's all good, man. Um, project proposal. How you been? How's your new job? Or what is your new job? Um, uh, well, I don't know if we talked about it last time, but basically I work at this integrative medicine center, biological With, medicine uh, center. Dylan, mom, right? Yep. Cool. How's that? It's good. You know, I can't complain. It's like, it's like... <laughs> especially with the virus and things, I'm lucky to, to still be working at all, you know, for a lot of yeah, people, that's not even essential, like, right? Huh? That's an essential because it's like health. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely a lot of limitations based on, um, you know, you know, you couldn't do just any procedures yet, but we do offer like emergency procedures and yeah, absolutely. It's, it's essential. And not only that, it's like the whole approach to medicine that they take is so, so the answer for a lot of the things that people are, talking about right now with the virus because it's all about upbuilding your immune system and like being in control of your health in a lot of ways that people kind of reactive more these days and they just kind of wait for themselves to get sick or they you know that's like a lot of what the, the current model is based on is just being like it really really good responder to to a shitty situation but um there's not as much emphasis on and, and even, you know, even what they're doing sometimes is corrective work. A lot of it is because people get sick because, of, I mean, I could go on for days, but basically it's really fascinating because it's, it's taught me a lot about the immune system and the human biology that I didn't really know existed and like how it worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just given me a lot of like peace of mind. Like I'm sure there's a lot of people that freak out a lot more than I did during this time just because of the unknown, whereas I kind of feel like I know a lot more about how viruses work and how my biology works and like how to keep myself safe from, from any kind of virus, even if it's like right in my face or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I sent you a link. Also, off topic, did you see how someone stole $60,000 or $60 million five from what? Trump on Twitter? No. How did that happen? Um, someone tweeted Trump, hey, I have $65 million worth of ventilators. 
send me like send me the money and I'll send you the ventilators. He lied about the ventilators. It was almost like a joke. But Trump sent him sixty five million dollars. <laughs> yeah, from a tweet. From a tweet. This sounds like a fucking I don't bullshit know story. Are you sure this happened? But the only reason why I got interested is the person who did it has my name. Like oh, really? Yeah, this first name's the same as mine. And that doesn't happen often. So How's like, that pronounced again? Yaron. Yaron. Yeah. Yaron. Ooh, that's way more gangster. I thought it was just Yaron, which probably mm-hmm. everyone does. You probably get that all the time. Yeah. Yaron. That's pimp. Um, okay, what am I looking at? Loose spaces? Yeah, so this I is don't like, know anything about the Trump thing. That sounds a little made up to me, but I, if it if probably, actually happened, that's amazing. It probably is, but I just saw it. I got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, loose spaces is kind of like my pre-thesis and might be the direction of my thesis. And I'm just looking at, like, what is public space and how we view space. Remember, like, mm-hmm. um, talking, oh, yeah. Uh, parkour vision and what that means and we we're talking about like swinging on the bars when you were climbing that stadium or maybe not the stadium but the MetLife I think was it? Yeah, so, Wells Fargo Center. Wells Fargo. But, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is so cool, yeah. This, this is kind of like a presentation of like what is parkour, how does parkour view it, what is skateboarding, how does skateboarding view it and then who are the situationist movement? There are like, there's like people from like France we were kind of thinking the same things way back then. Um, and they also kind of have the same belief of like how space should belong and be. Um, so yeah, that's an update on that. If you, if you, I can go more in depth onto it or we can skip over it, but. Whatever you want, man. That, I mean, it's a really cool concept for sure. And, you know, I've always been a fan of just repurposing things. And I mean, things, I mean, unoriginal, un, or not unoriginal, but un- like undoing the the definitions and, you know, expanding or breaking borders and barriers. Like that's such a important part of our culture, but it goes so deep. Like you're saying, like, I don't know about these situationalists or whatever, but you know, it's just creative thinking, innovative thinking is like so much what art is about. So it, it's really cool. I can like read you like a quote or two. Um, let's see. So it's a good one. Oh, yeah, the space. The theory of a dear event. So there's this guy named Guy Debord, and he founded the Situationist International Movement. Mm. And he thought of this like concept of the derivée, and the derivée is one or more persons created. Wait, one or more persons during a certain event, certain period, drop their usual motives for movement and actions, their relations, their work, and leisure activities, and let themselves be drawn by the attractions of the terrain and the encounters they find there. Which is, like, kind of what we do as parkour athletes. It's like, we stop our normal life, per se, right? Like, school, work, mm-hmm. and we just go out and jump on things. Yeah. Oh, I love it, dude. I think the original... I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. But I think one of the most original versions of that is surfing. I think surfing is kind of like the the genesis of like people doing some of this stuff like playing for play's sake with their environment you know yeah i should look into them it's one of them i don't know if it's the one but it certainly spawned skateboarding and that you know has influenced parkour a lot i think um yeah, maybe rock climbing too yeah well rock climbing goes further back because actually it had like a utility that was yeah i guess it's not less played but more use 
but yeah, I mean, rock climbing is pretty recently as, as like a recreational activity. It's not, it's actually, I don't know. I should shut up. I don't actually know the history of climbing, but I What's think that is, like, like climbing gyms are, are, are pretty, like pretty new concept. Yeah. But climbing mountains still doesn't have a purpose. And you look at like people that, you know, the first person to climb Everest, what was his name? Oh <laughs> shit. Whatever. I used to know these things that might come to me, but like that, that doesn't have a purpose. That's just for the sake of it too. That's just for the, the accomplishment, but it is fascinating to see like what the way space influences the way that people think. I just heard a, a guy recently talk about how in Russia, they designed the whole cities in Russia. And I've never been to Russia, but there's, there's certain cities that are designed as purposefully to, to influence people's psychology and make them feel small and insignificant they would make the roads and the buildings like extract, like huge, yeah. humongous. And, uh, and like, it's like that, that, I mean, I, it's crazy to think that that'll actually influence people. It's like, yeah, you will feel small and insignificant. And what, what does that do to the human psyche and the culture there? That's also similar to what, um, miss, again, I could be messing everything up, but this guy named Lee Corbusier, um, mm. from France, um, who kind of, invented modern architecture the like key is the guy you can think for it but he was he came kind of came from like brutalist ideas i don't know if you know what brutalism is but like i know what it looks like because it's yeah. brutal baby but i don't know like i don't actually know what it is like all of our favorite parkour spots oh yeah architecture yeah i love i mean i love yeah i'm like i feel like i love like the more brutal the better like that's a that's the best kind of backdrop for parkour is just some fucking giant slabs and glass. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I need. Um, so you could thank him for that. Um, What's his name? Lee Corbusier. Lee Corbusier. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know where I was getting to. Oh, yeah. So he kind of believed that if people – or he kind of invented the idea of affordable housing, which kind of is a failed project. Um, in my eyes, because he believed that if everyone can live in the same house, essentially, then there could be no inequality because everyone has the same. But in the end, that doesn't work because there's like crime and corruption. And like, think about like the store video with Thamsteed, like it like brought up like a lot of violence and hidden pockets that the cops couldn't see. Yeah, it just didn't work out sadly. It, it was too utopian for our society. Yeah, it gets really tough, dude. That's a that's a whole other story. But that's like some interesting stuff when people try to kind of create equality across the board. I mean, that's a really fundamental debate. Equality of opportunity versus quality of outcome is like kind of the conversation that's being had. You know, not in just in architecture, just with like right now, like a lot of people. That that just comes up over and over again. It sounds like you know. Especially with now, with like, I don't know if you're like seeing, but like, there's like food shortages that are gonna start happening. What shortages? Food. Oh, yeah. I didn't know when or where they're starting to happen. Well, they're gonna start happening soonish. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. The meat production is slowing down. I've, I, yeah, I mean, I have, I did see some things about the meat. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. That's another thing. Okay, again, like throwing it back to my the work that I, we do at the the Human Universal Health in- Institute is what it's called. It's like we have our own permaculture garden that's like a nonprofit garden. And it's just like that's another thing I've been learning about is like how easy it is. If you do the right things, it's not actually easy. Let's, let's, not, let's not get it twisted. 
but there's a lot of like sustainable methods to growing like shitloads of food that are really good for you. Yeah. They're not meat. So there's a, there's a concern maybe about calorie intake and, and, and that. You work at a farm for four years. Huh? For four years, I used to work at a farm. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I love farming, actually. So good for you, man. You got you probably super in touch with nature. Oh, during those times, I was. And then I went to New York. <laughs> now you're out of touch. You're now in touch with the, the, man, the rat race. Oh, dude. Me and all the guys are friends now. Um, but it was just really cool to, like, eat what you make. Mm. Like, I, I feel like it gives off no, like, like humans have kind of lost touch with food. Big time. The process of food. Um, and when you grow your own vegetables and you feed your cows that get, eventually get slaughtered, like, you kind of understand the weight of everything. Yeah. Um, I really, like, appreciate my experience from that. I think everyone should go to work at a farm for, like, at least two weeks. Just understand, like, what that means and, like, how we're getting fed. Mm-hmm. How are we getting fed? Yeah. Oh, why, that's a really good George, like, why are the food chores even happening? Can't we just, like, have farms in New York? Yeah, yeah, no, it seems like we're going to have to move that direction, right? Where things are a little more localized and a little less, again, like with the blockchain, things are just needing to be less decentralized. It's not sustainable. We need to be like ant colonies. We can't be like this imperial, um, you know, hub of just like all the milk. First of all, like forget like if it's even good for you, because that's a whole other conversation. But it all is like coming from this one giant milk uh, conglomerate. Yeah. That just like the fact that it is made that way, it's like, cool. They have this infrastructure where they can distribute milk a shitload to a shitload of people, but the milk quality suffers. And then like when, when a crisis hits or something, everyone's fucked because you know, now no one gets it or no one gets the the grains or whatever, but these smaller projects, these smaller farms and things seems to be a better answer. To a degree, but like, I feel like smaller farms are growing to become bigger farms, right? Like, that's kind yeah. of how capitalistic society works. Where like eventually there's gonna be a monopoly over anything. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. That is like a fundamental law of nature, it seems like. Yeah, this aggregation of resources just So like no matter what polarizes. Like, it's gonna end up happening. I think like Facebook has like like a monopoly over like social media, if you think about it in a way. Oh yeah, yeah. Well and maybe the monopoly can exist still, but it just needs to be instead of like giant farms in Kansas that distribute to everywhere or whatever, you know, wherever the grains come from, the corn or the cows or, you know, the meat, it's like, they have to like pocket it in, into regions and into local like counties and stuff more. Like a tax? No, just like they, like, it's still like a, this giant company, but instead of having one giant farm in this state, they oh, have just to change it up so they have like, I mean, Amazon has like a better model in some ways. Like they have multiple distribution centers and like, you know, there's just lots of more localized versions of what's happening. You don't have to live in the same vicinity. It's been a part without completely restructuring infrastructure because the way it works is we've like essentially carved out America to let the middle of America be the farmland and everything else be in the city land. So that's yeah. where all the farms are going to be unless like, we end up having like farm cities. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, there's gotta be room for farms in New York. I mean, it's not the best climate for some of it. Right. For sure. I think but, agriculture. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I, I hope we don't do like poultry. And, like, oh yeah. Meat in New York. I feel like we've had the meat market. That was not a good thing. Um, what happened with the meat market? I don't know about that. Much Chelsea market. Now it's like a, a boutique Soho like type uh, stuff. 
area. Um, I mean, I don't know what's I don't know what's wrong with it, but it doesn't exist anymore, and there's probably a reason for it. Yeah, well, we're all figuring it out, right? We don't know how sustainable these cities are, like big ass cities, and they're 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 uh, they liken to like the Roman Empire or the you know the Zulu Nation or like some of these like ancient civilizations potentially of just like we don't know exactly what works yet, and it always has to get updated, right? Yeah. I mean, it has so. to. I mean, we, and, and everything's moving, you know, I'm reading this book Sapiens right now. So this is like what I'm thinking about, obviously, but it's like, everything's kind of moving in a certain direction already of just, even though we have to like be more, um, articulated and like, I think localized in certain things, the big picture is that everything's moving towards this global unit now where, you know, it's not even enough for, Facebook, I mean, Facebook owns the social media, right? But not just for their country, not just for the United States, but the the entire world, you know? It's like now everything operates at this global level. It's insane. So it's hard. Like, like, I think we have become practically fully globalized as a world, but there's so many pockets of, like, how do you deal with corruption and different goals of areas in a globalistic sense? I guess I don't know how to explain that better. Like, you know, yes, we're all globalized and our currency is all globalized too. If you think about like how our currency works. Yeah. Um, but there becomes an issue when like what happens when part of a missing link or if a link becomes missing or stops working properly in this like global unit. We don't know, man. We don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Kind of Hopefully don't want like <laughs> shit when shit hits the fan. Hopefully shit doesn't hit the fan. Hopefully it stays on the fucking walls in the ground maybe would be even better what i've been enjoying is the fact that like humans are not affecting the earth as much and now like climate change is getting better a little bit oh, yeah yeah you see those little like bacteria that are back in the ocean that's like luminescent in the, oh, the bioluminescent plankton yeah so cool yeah yeah dude that is cool i was in uh i mean this isn't good because this is like contributing to it tourism but i was in vietnam last year and i got to swim with that shit and it was like Boy. in the world but and they would they were all dying like wherever they are they're they're probably giving really they're getting back in their those those bays too but damn dude some of the tourism shit that i saw there it was just like i felt really bad just for being there because i was like don't you wonder how the world so shitty how the world looked like before we were here like, oh my it, god it's like there's like there's so few untouched places now it's like you have to go to the bottom of the ocean to figure out what it look nature looks like if bioluminescent plankton existed now and to the scale, imagine how it looked like pre-human existence. And, like, the world was just glowing. I don't know. That yeah. just sounds really cool. Yeah, that's badass, man. Well, hopefully we get – I mean, we have to kind of go forward. It's not like I was going to – I was about to say, like, well, well, hopefully we can get back to that. But it's like we don't really get to go back. No, you know, everything's going to be, like, rolling forward. But hopefully, like, as we roll forward, we get, like, more harmony and we get into that era again where – I think that's kind of, like – what will happen, you know? I think ultimately we have to work with nature because a lot of the stuff that we think we can do better than nature, we just don't do better than nature. I mean, yeah, we can't beat it. Yeah, so, but we're we're definitely going to try, I'll tell you that much. We're going to fucking try. Dude, Parker Hall of Fame is not taken. Oh. But I think it's really long to write. Maybe there's some, like, short Parker Hall. PK Hall of Fame? PK Hall? P-K-H-O-F? Oh, I like that. That's definitely going to be free. That is free. <laughs> or parkour, HOF? I don't know. 
Hall of Fame parkour. You could do like so many iterations of it. But um, regardless, that's a cool idea. I'm definitely not just thinking about like Hall of Fame ideas. I've been thinking about the parkour Hall of Fame for like five years. I'm just oh, like, you should hit me up sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about. I'm like, someone's gonna start it one day, right? Like, the skateboarding. I have one? to imagine. I don't know if skateboarding has one. I think they do. Skateboarding. They probably have like just recently founded it because a lot of those OG practitioners are starting to like age out and become. Oh yeah, there is legacies now. Skateboarding Hall of Fame. I'm assuming it's in LA. I wonder how that starts. I really wonder how a Hall of Fame starts because the UFC has one, obviously. I think you just have to start it. Yeah, somebody <laughs> has to start it. One person has to take the initiative. <laughs> it can be you, man. You should do it. Do it for all of us. Dude, I'm honestly down. <laughs> I think it's a physical location. Oh, really? I mean, I feel like ours can be virtual. Fuck it. Fuck it. We'll go. We can all go. We can all go to the Pika Hall of Fame with the Oculus or whatever. Wait, dude, who, who ended up taking um, the Merm bloody shorts? Oh. <laughs> the bloody white shorts went to a girl in Boulder by the name of Sarah. I forget her. It's like G. Starts with a G. And she was just a friend and a fan. And I, I, we didn't know for a very long time, actually, I think, because the way she ordered it was like secret or something. Like it was like through, cause she didn't, she like purposely wanted to like remain, remain anonymous, but we kind of like got to the bottom of it somehow, but it was, yeah. That used to be part of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Those shorts need to be in the Hall of Fame for sure. Oh my God. Maybe we'll have to purchase them back. You can like start a scholarship. Go fund me. <laughs> for her. Yeah. To like, well, I'm thinking, like, okay, like ex- comparing it to like different sports, right? Like we don't have that many objects we'd put in the Hall of Fame. Giles, I know Giles is like saving bits of clothing, like articles of clothing from like all the biggest yeah. brands to, to like keep in a vault. And like, I mean, I don't know if he's still doing it, but I think he is. I, I could collecting certain items and then dude this is a good idea giles giles would be someone to collaborate if you talk to giles for your project i've been trying to reach out to him he's kind of hard to get to he's a busy man i mean yeah i mean he's doing everything these days so but he no, he no i think he would be he would be someone to be involved with the hall of fame for sure because he's such a parkour nut and he's so like embedded in a lot of the the culture and like the especially that like the blossoming era, you could call it, where just all the things started to pop off. He just knows everybody. Um, so my idea that is maybe we stick with like the gallery or the proof of concept to see if people like it being virtual. And then if they do, then go to the Hall of Fame before just like making the Hall of Fame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Start small, work your way up, snowball it. But good idea. Hopefully no one from, if, if we end up recording this and using this as your podcast, hopefully no one does it before me. <laughs> If yeah. Want, let me know. Hey, if you're doing it before, you got to... No, <laughs> well, I mean, I probably will put this out because I think this is interesting, what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, okay. Let's, for those who don't know, yeah, I mean, like, maybe we should get into your projects. We've been skirting around it for, like, the last hour almost. <laughs> but it's been so much fun. But it's like you're, you're putting this art gallery together and it's about this flow state and the meditation. Is there anything else? Because we, we talked last time about, you know, just... You're talking to Dom. You're talking to Hendo. I don't know who else you're talking to, but we've talked to Matt, Parker, Keelan, oh, cool. uh, AJ from Texas. Yes, yes. Reaching out to been reaching out to Benj. Let's see if that happens. Come on, Benj. He's um, a busy man. I mean, those store boys—they're crushing it out, dude. 
Been killing it. Um, um, this video, by the way. The what? The relay video. I did. Yeah. I, 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 I love the drone shot. So cool. Yeah. Who drew? Who flew the drone? Who flew it? I think it was, was Sasha. It? Oh, Sasha. Okay. I was like, yeah. I was like, I thought Toby was the main pilot for that, but he was yeah. in it. So then I was like, what the hell? But anyhow, that's amazing. Yeah. That was a good, that was a, that was a sick shot. It's actually pretty wild to think they got it on the second try with all the complexity. Yeah. But, like, but um, I'm trying to make it my new desktop saver. Like <laughs> oh, just have it go back like, or just yeah. going in the background. That'd be cool. That's legend. Yeah. Okay. We keep on uh, going off from topic, but um, I can reintroduce the topic a bit. Um, yeah. Just let me know like what, what questions we needed to answer still for you, because I feel like I've already got enough, like, all right. If people listen to this as a podcast, that was juicy enough. So now we're going to get into more of this project, which I think is also going to be really juicy. Cool. But I want to make sure you get everything you need for your project. I appreciate that. So I wish I like I listened longer. I didn't finish listening to your our previous call. So I'm hoping we have most of it. But I think let's talk a bit more about like have you view yourself in the flow state? Um, and maybe we can go more in depth about that one clip. Cause that's the clip I'm going to use. Okay. Um, so like your, your manpower moment. My manpower moment. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about your MPM. Hashtag um, manpower moment. So we can talk about that some more. I don't know. Cause I wish I finished listening to it. Um, well, it doesn't matter. We could, I mean, if there's overlapping material, it's all good. Yeah, I guess that's... We can It'll just be more refined. Exactly. So we can go back to the beginning, I guess. Um, and in this weird episode, I'll be interviewing Brandon. <laughs> and we just... Yeah, this is the flip. Now I'm getting interviewed. So uh, I guess, like, what is meditation for you, Brandon? Oh, yeah. I remember this one. Um, what I described it as last time, and I stand by it, is just anything that pulls you completely into the moment into your experience into the present and out of thinking either into the future or thinking about the past basically but just experiencing life i think is a kind of key stone to the to the experience of meditation mm-hmm. um, i'd also describe it as like noticing you know just awareness your awareness is like completely open yeah, I'd agree. Um, would you say that's the same as flow state or is flow state different? Um, ooh. I think they're probably different. I think they're probably distinct. I think that flow state, when I think of flow state, or at least I think it's a meditative state, but it's, it's like meditation can have lots of different iterations. You can be focusing really, really, Meditation is like more of a practice, but flow state is like what you're trying to get out of your meditation almost, which is like this absence of self. Like you kind of actually lose yourself in the moment completely. And I think meditation you can do without doing that, but I think sort of flow state is like the, the target that you're trying to hit sometimes, or it's at least an iteration of meditation. That's really powerful, which is just, you disappear. Like you, you just, you're so in it. You're so in your moment that you become one with, you know, everything that's around you. 
how do you how do you get into it lots of different ways i think you can get into it more like you specifically mostly mostly okay well for me it's like i think getting into a complete flow state takes momentum so i think it takes small decisions of just like stoking that fire you know and like it did just like a fire i think you have to set it up a little bit right you have to like build little twigs and then little or smaller or slightly bigger twigs and then slightly bigger sticks and then logs and then you can like throw whatever you want if you're if you got a really big bitch and fire going but i think it takes like little decisions that kind of like to get into the to get into the flow state i think you get into tiny little flow states all the way up into it so for me, I try to nurture that flame. That is my analogy for this, for this uh, just exercise here. But it's just, I try to make the smallest decision I can make that I know is going to go the way I want it to go. So I try to like picture, for me, it's kind of like trying to predict the future, kind of. Um, or just trying to imagine what it's going to feel like in the present really, but in the future, like all right, I'm going to try something in parkour. I want it to feel like this. And then I go, and if it feels like it was imagined, perfect. Now I can kind of up the ante because I'm like, I'm getting in tune with myself. If it feels really bad or if it feels way different, then I might have to like recalibrate. But the way I do that sometimes is just breathing is like a really simple way to do that. I think that's why a lot of people use breath and breath practices is because it's it's literally like the most basic thing that you can do and that you have to do at all times. And so it's like if you remove all other things, you're still breathing. And so that's one of the perfect things to focus on because it just brings you it just it's like the essential. It's like the absence of any other distraction. You're not trying to do anything. You're just trying to breathe the way that you want to breathe. And once you kind of get control of your breath, then you could take it further and that's when I'll do like visualizations which I kind of just mentioned. And, and yeah, and then I think it's a really, it's like a, for me, when it, again, if we're we're thinking about about parkour, I think flow state happens a lot of places, but if we're thinking about parkour, it's just, uh, you know, just getting myself into a state where I'm paying attention to what's in front of me and I'm making decisions that are building momentum in a way that's, just like confirming my, my, um, my belief in like what's happening around me, you know, which, which ultimately comes down to just being like, okay, I notice what's happening and just, it's really just paying attention. It's just stop thinking about shit and just like see what's happening and like interact with it, you know, which is really hard to do. It sounds kind of vague, I guess, but it's just really trying to get the, my voices and my head and stuff out of the way and like not, not thinking about things, but just, engaging with something yeah i would say that is what the flow state is when you lose your distractions and you pay attention to what's ahead um and like you i think a big part of the flow state from what i've learned through these podcasts is like Mm. small progressions that lead you into a a confirming state of mind that you feel okay i know what i'm doing copy it paste it follow through you're doing the the right thing yeah it's a questioning enjoy it it's a questioning i'd say even 
it's, yeah. it, that's what gets you engaged because like, let's say you look at a big ass fucking challenge. Like one, one that I did recently that was scared the shit out of me when I got there, but then ended up doing it was, uh, I don't know if you saw, I went to Hollywood and there was a like, famous skate spot there, the Hollywood high 16 so stair. Cool. Yeah. I saw that. And I'm a skateboarder and big skate fan. And so like I was inspired by the spot and I was, I, I definitely went to look for a jump. I was like, I wonder if there's any gnarly things you could do here. That's not skateboarding, but parkour. And I saw this fucked up jump, but like you just said, it's just like, but with, with, I just started to ask myself the question. I was detached from the outcome. I wasn't like, I'm going to do this jump today. If I don't do it, my life sucks. What I did was just like, all right, that looks possible. And I was like that, yeah, that's possible. Someone could do that. I'm like, wonder what you would do if you were going to do that. And I just started like playing with it, you know? And, um, that was one of the things I learned really early on was just don't, get attached to you doing it because that's the, that's the one way to fuck your shit up and not be able to do it is because if you really like have to do it, you're not going to be clear headed in like what the step, the next step is to get there. And so I just thought of the smallest thing I could do, which was, I was like, well, let's just see how my legs even feel. Like that's a fucking heavy drop. Like, like, can I take a heavy drop today? And so I just started taking a little bit heavier drops and doing some small pre's and I just completely put it out of my mind. And I was like, Oh, my legs do feel good. Then I could kind of like see this replicable where it's like similar scale jump this way. And I try to always stay, I always try to stay, uh, building momentum. Like I don't like to do something and fail it and then have to retry it, especially as I'm like building up this flow state. And I'm trying to, you know, in my post about it, I called it opening up a portal. Cause like, I think that's what you're kind of doing. It's like, you're casting like all these magic spells. You're almost like saying the right words and like reading from the book of whatever, like your own little parkour, um, spiritual like seance that you're conducting to like open up this portal for yourself of just like, yes, I can do this today and I'm going to make it happen, which is just like, for me, I don't want to fuck up any lines in my scripture. I don't want to fuck up any lines in my spell that I'm casting basically on myself, you know, and this is like mystic language or whatever. It's not like I actually believe, but it is, it's good. It's a good euphemism. I think where, where it's like, all right, if I can do it this way, then I can take the next step. And so I kind of just, I started just laying down layers and, um, and eventually this, the jump all of a sudden looks doable. And then you have to make the decision, I guess, like, am I doing it right now? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to do it. <laughs> and then you go do something and then it's crazy because I didn't expect myself to do it, you know, that day, that jump in particular. Oh, no, I looked to a rail too, right? Yeah, it was like a skinny little like door gate thing, and yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's totally. I wanted to front flip out of it, and I think someone still can, but it's really hard because you have to be really strong. I wasn't quite conditioned enough for my legs to take the impact the way that like, and it's really precise because it's skinny. So even if my legs are strong enough, you still have to like land in the right spot. It's just a beast, but I think someone could stick it if they're strong enough for sure. Holler at them. <laughs> I don't know who it would be. I think maybe like NGs or like somebody with a fucking crazy, you know, Callum. Obviously the big, the big lifters. But I don't think it's like, that's the kind of thing where I wouldn't even never, I wouldn't want to stick it. It was never my intention to stick it. I wanted to get myself a nice slow bounce on it so I could front flip out. And I almost ended up sticking it by accident that way. But I would never try to stick that jump because it's just, I don't think, I don't believe in putting that amount of force into my body just to like show that I have control over this thing 
you know, just because it was, I knew it would take too many attempts to get it. You know, I was just like, if I'm going to do that, it's going to be hard on my body. I'd rather come back and, and let it happen naturally. I, I don't really aim for it. Usually I usually yeah, go over. I feel like when you have to stick it, you stick it, but when you don't have to stick it, you don't have to stick it. I applaud, I applaud people that stick things. I just, I'm, and I'm, I'm learning that the value of it more, but I never like, yeah, I, I, I like it more and more. I know that sounds ridiculous because like everyone's like, that's what it's about. But I do, I've always enjoyed and done lots of sticks throughout my day, but I never really focused on it the way that I kind of like, I'm appreciating it now more than I ever have in my practice. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I guess from there, um, I guess you started mentioning what you think about when you train, but like what do you do when something is out of reach or what you might think is out of reach. So like, I guess you're a scent, right? Like mm-hmm. before doing it, it is something that's out of reach in a yes. way. Mm-hmm. So like, what was your mental preparation to do something like that? Um, so again, for that clip, that was in the Merm video. If you want to look it up, people are listening. It was like, you know, about two minutes into that video, there's a clip of me climbing up the parking garage that a lot of people climb down in Boulder behind Illegal Pete's pretty famous little, parking garage and that it just took time it just took lots of time and exposure I just again like I try to expose myself to it as much as I'm comfortable with and I never really try to force anything you know I was very I was very ambitious and more disciplined and more focused on my training back then so I naturally like worked on that kind of climbing movement and doing ascents and stuff more frequently and just in my training, I was just way more like invested, but it was still like really important to me that the whole way I would always like, I would give myself a, uh, like I would kind of turn on a light. It's like, all right, now I'm training for that challenge. And if I'm training for that challenge, basically it's like the spells I was casting earlier or whatever. It's like, I cannot mess this up or I will, it will be devastating to my confidence because to do it at a height where I eventually ended up doing it, I have to be like basically a hundred percent confident that I'm not going to fall and die and, or, you know, break my legs or whatever. And so I didn't allow myself. I don't think I would have done it if I had fallen on any of those attempts, but for like about a year before I ended up doing it, every time I was kind of near there, I would just do the, the first two levels or something like that. And the first level is bigger than this. That's one of the things about that. I liked about that challenge. The first level is actually the hardest one from where I decided to do it because it's like, it's almost like six to eight or even more inches further of a, of a jump up to grab that wall than, than all the other levels. And so if you can get that every time, which I ended up like every time I was like, I'm training for the challenge, I would always get it. And basically that's what I did is I just really built up a lot of confidence in that very specific movement to the point where I realized that there was no reason except for me hesitating or being fearful or, you know, cultivating a kind of a thing that I did not want to see in myself for me to miss a challenge like that when I was focused. And, and again, like we talked about last time, I deliberately set up this challenge to try to put myself through a sort of rite of passage. And it was very consciously for me about, seeing if I would trust myself with my own life. You know, like it was, it was like, all right, you think you can trust yourself, but would you prove it to yourself? 
by jumping, you know, off of a third story block into a fourth story grab. That was like my goal. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It basically, that's just, it was just a lot of repetition and I never missed the jump. So I was always building a lot of confidence and I was always very, very focused. And I made sure that like whatever, whenever I was practicing, I would practice as if I was at the fourth story or whatever. Mm -hmm. I would practice with the same level of focus. I would imagine like, and that's, that's why I would be like, if you miss it, you can't do the practice. You can't do it. I wouldn't let myself because I'm like, if I know that I'm trying to simulate being four stories off the ground and I miss it, just because I'm one story off the ground doesn't matter. If I'm like, I'm trying to like replicate the amount of pressure that it will be on me when I'm up there. And so that's what I, that's what I try to do is like, and I try to bring that throughout my training. It's just like, the more you can trust yourself, the better you are at height. And so always I'm trying to never, I'm always trying to give myself the right challenge so that I don't fail it. I always want to be tested a little bit, but I don't want to fail challenges or get injured unless it's like an acceptable amount of failure or risk, you know, like Dom, I think probably has a similar strategy and it, it, you know, even though he's taken a lot of heavy bails, I think he actually is okay with those bails happening. And you've, you've talked to him. I don't know. Maybe he's mentioned this stuff, but there's certain amounts of risk that I am willing to accept. Like I'm willing to accept ankle thingies on certain challenges on other challenges. If I ankle thingy, it's like a, it, it detracts from my confidence, but on certain challenges, it's within the acceptable amount of variable. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's just like, you did mention a very, uh, for his training, it was less of his mind uh, not having enough confidence in his ability, but more that his body needed to catch up to how confident his mind was. Mm. Like, he always believed he could, you know, do these, like, massive front flips and be fine or, like, go for, like, a side flip pre and, like, land it. He mm -hmm. just wasn't controlled enough or had the strength enough to be able to do it. And so his whole training was just, like, trying to catch up to his brain. Wow. That's amazing. And I think it's quite the opposite. I felt like I am physically able to do a lot of movement that I can, but mentally don't have enough like control to go ahead and do it, mm. which stopped me from doing a lot of things. But for him, it was flipped. Wow. That's so cool. It was a cool thing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, which you guys will see in the gallery, hopefully. <laughs> Let's get it in the gallery, baby. Or the Hall of Fame. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I guess like w while doing your your manpower moment, um, your ritual, right? Mm -hmm. Were you like in a flow state at all? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I felt like I was a hundred percent aware of everything and just, I think I talked about last time, like not just myself, but of the building, like all the geometry of the edge and just everything that was happening around me. Like someone was yelling at me at one point because you know, people just scream parkour and shit at you when you're doing things. And yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. Like it was like, that's one of the things that I love about working with heights and stuff is it gets you really super focused and you can kind of see just how focused you can get, which is usually a lot more than what you usually, you know, experience at moment to moment. Um, and it's just, it's really, it's just, it's a good, it's a good feeling to know you have that capacity because you know that, and, and to be able to control that capacity. It's one thing if it's forced on you and you're like an adrenaline moment, 
But uh, for that challenge in particular, I was like pretty adamant that I didn't want to experience adrenaline, you know, during it. I didn't want to feel like pumped up or scared or nervous or sweaty or anything like that. Um, and I didn't, you know, I felt really just calm and just like I was doing the thing. I was just making my body do the thing that I knew it could do. Yeah. How would you, uh, describe what your mind and body were thinking after completing two stories and moving on to the fourth. Like you, you've done the, the three stories. I had done the three third story before. And I guess the first time I go for the fourth story, it's just like, I know I can do it. And I've already convinced myself that it's happened basically through visualizations and through just, you know, I work through all of that before I start the challenge. So really, it wasn't next year's thought. No, no, no. Like when I, when I'm deciding to do something, that's when I work through all of that. Once I decide I'm going to go with the fourth story and I'm like in it, unless something happens that, you know, then I'm just in the moment and I'm, I'm like, as long as things are going the way that they're supposed to, I keep going until the challenge is over. Mm -hmm. Um, but so for, for when I'm going third to fourth story or whatever, all I'm thinking is like, left foot here, right foot there. Like I'm just feeling the wall and jumping and like staying. Honestly, random question. Maybe mm-hmm. this is kind of annoying for your podcast, but like what did the feeling of the wall feel like? Like if I'm trying to like uh, pretend I was you, how does this like climb up this parking garage feel like? Cause I feel like while watching that video that I made of you, like the loop, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like, what is your mind thinking about? And I kind of want to know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking like, okay, I mean, I can remember the sequence pretty exactly. Like I step up, left foot, right foot. I grab undercling with the left hand. It's a lot, it's very tactile. Then my, my chest has to be like, my feet feel good underneath me. My chest is centered and I have to release the left hand as I'm kind of swinging up to grab at the right. And you just kind of like pull, jump, and I'm just everything feels good. And I just kind of like, I think I threw my hand, like I pump it once and then I go just to kind of like get a little bit of a, a space, like just a little bit of a measurement of the space between my fingertip and the edge. So I can be like, all right, that's how far I need to go before I start clamping, go to my vice grip or whatever. And my right hand feels good. Like that, that ledge is slightly doubled in. So it's a really good grip. It's got like a lot of, it's like sandpapery. It's really nice. Um, so then I grab my right hand, left hand comes up immediately. I do a quick climb up and then it's just repeat the motions. I go left hand on now the second story up and all the way to the rest of it is just left foot on the, and right foot on a rail. And then the underlying is the same. Would you like to watch the video main one more time? Um, I mean, if you do, I don't care. I I remember it like in my head, just as the same, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's just like feeling the wall and feeling and just making sure I'm hitting all the beats. It's like almost, it's like a choreographed act almost, you know. And that move is just the same move five times or four times in a row. So it's nice because it's repetitive. It gets your brain like you groove it in with the first two, and then like you just keep firing those neurons. Do you mind telling me what you see? All right, so we're watching it.
Yeah. I mean, I'm just pulling the, the rails up. I'm just feeling everything and I'm feeling my foot on the wall and my core is just tight. <laughs> and I just step up. I wipe my hand. It looks like on every, every, uh, in between each level. So I can make sure that my hand feels the right, like texture as well. Um, against my, my, uh, shirt. And yeah. And it's not a very big jump, but it is very scary because you have to let go before you can grab it. Um, if you're my height, if you're a little bit taller, you might not have to, if you have like a super long wing, wingspan. I remember Joel Egeman. He was like there with us one day, like the first day we actually ever trained in that parking garage, like years before this. Um, and it was actually one of the first days we all did the sense. I think like him and I and Dylan were all training and, and he could just standing like do it. Cause he's just like, all, but even he was just like, this is fucking weird. Yeah. So that's that video. Um, I also I have so many other versions of it. Oh, word. <laughs> I want. Also, like if I want it in color, black and white. Oh yeah. Just trying to decide. Yeah, man. It's just very like, like I said, I, I made the decision to go up and I'm just, I'm trying to stay focused on the edge and just putting my hand and my feet in the right place. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just very much in my body and I'm just listening What'd to my body and listening to the world around me and just making sure that I'm not anywhere else, but right there in the moment. What'd you do after the climb? So you climbed it. Climbed it. That, the one that the clip that you have is the one I did all by myself. Cause for this, again, it was a very, like, it was kind of like a spiritual thing for me. So I didn't want anyone around. So the clip that you have is actually filmed on my phone. Just like, you know, I set it up for myself and actually that, that one, there was no one around. Then I came back down. I told, I told Knox and Dylan, the Mirren boys, I was like, dude, I did it. I feel good today. Cause I didn't want them there for the, I don't know. I just like, I wanted no one around for it. And then, um, cause I didn't want to be influenced by anything, you know? And then once I'd done it, then I called them cause they, they were supposed to get the shot with me. And, and then Dylan, he brought the drone. We were going to get like a drone, like flying up with me, but he forgot the GoPro or like the GoPro SD card or the battery or something. So then we just filmed it with like, um, the Nikon and I went up two more times, but I ended up liking the shot from my phone the best. So I ended up using that in the video. Yes, you did it three times? Yeah, but I went up and did it a few more times, and that's when people were yelling at me. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, um, but there's clips of me doing it, I think, from those other angles. And you can see, like, Knox, like, someone goes, parkour when I'm going up, and Knox is like, shut up! Like, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. For that one, I guess, again, I don't know if it was parkour philosophy that was, like, kind of embedded in me that had to do it three times or whatever the fuck, but I, I felt like... I felt really comfortable with it. I didn't want to keep doing it over and over again, but I, I felt like it was not hard. It was nothing really by the, by the time I admitted myself to it, you know, committed myself to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess like that practically answers all my past questions. Oh, cool. um, it's like, and you already talked about a couple of things. Like do you have a ritual before you do something scary? Like, is it a breath? Is it, is it a sandwich you eat before you train? <laughs> Yo, I used to have so much more than I have now. I've tried to eliminate everything that I need because I think it's all, it's all extra, you know? And I used to have to like take supplements. And I used to have like coffee that I would want to drink and 
I would have to put my shoes on a certain way and I'd have to wear, if I, if I was going to do something big, I had to put on my shoes that I was going to do big things in. And that was the shoes I have to wear from the, from the moment I get out of my house all the way up until the rest of the day. Cause that I feel like I'm more in tune with my shoes and I used to do a lot more shit, but now I just listen to like my body and the environment and I just use my eyes and my, you know, my sensory perception as best I can, because I feel like that's ultimately the only thing I need to pay attention to. And, um, and yeah, I still do breath practices if I feel like I need to calm myself down. But for the most part, if I, if I'm like, if I'm not hyped enough or if I'm too hype, you know, and I need to do a breath breathing practice, then I think what that would indicate to me at this point is that I'm a little bit too attached to the outcome. I'm a little too attached to like needing to do this challenge that I have to like get myself ready or I have to like, if I'm too nervous, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even necessarily want to do it. You know, I think I like to feel excited now more than anything by, by a scary challenge. And there's, there's, there's a few things that, you know, I'll still maybe try to push myself through, but for the most part, I don't, I don't try to push past that barrier where I'm like scared or, or fearful, or I feel like I'm doing it for manhood or anything like that. Because part of like that rite of passage, the, the clip that you showed, it was, that was one of the things I learned was on the other side of that. I built this thing up so big in my head and I felt like it had to happen. And I had to like overcome this desire to be like, just a man or, you know, but it had nothing to do with, it was just a huge story I put in my mind and it wasn't, it wasn't real, you know, and nothing had changed on the other side of that. And, and by putting that story on it, actually I made it probably more dangerous for myself because I was, I was, I was adding, I was actually taking away focus from the moment by making it, you know, about something rather than just doing the challenge that, you know, I wanted to do. Um, and it, you know, it wasn't like it was dangerous, I don't think, but it was, I think that it's even less dangerous to like not need to do it or not make it this huge thing now. Um, Back to it, isn't that like similar to a part or to what meditation is? Like, isn't, like this expectations and this breath practice and this practice in itself, like isn't parkour in a way meditation? Oh yeah. I mean, it's the only med- it's, it's the only thing that got me into meditation. You know, before this I was just partying and like, I mean, that was my meditation. My meditation at first was giving, was like drinking or like, uh, you know, actually I used to jump around when I was a little kid and stuff. That was meditation. You know, I was on the playground. I probably, you could say I trained parkour when I was a little kid, even, you know, obviously I didn't know what it was. I didn't call it training and I didn't call it parkour, but I was always really into like physical feats and climbing. And I don't know what that was, but, but that's always, you know, that's always been my meditation. And then only recently, once, once I've like really got to a new depth in parkour, did I realize that I also wanted to do more traditional meditation styles, which are, actually for me that what's what I'm, what's been helpful is like finding stillness practices that are also like a, they're like an equal and opposite kind of like thing to practice whereas parkour is like really ballistic and it gets you in the moment in this really like high energy way um that you have to get really still to do something really explosive you know being interested now a little bit more in certain meditations that are like getting really still so you can have like these like super deep realizations or, or epiphanies and stuff like that. Um, 
And I'm not that disciplined with it because it's hard to get, get myself still because I'm so used to using movement as my meditation. And sometimes I think I, I bias myself trying to think that meditation, the traditional way, like Buddha or whatever the fuck, whoever's meditating that way is that's a better way. But I don't think it's better. I think it's just it's they're they're equal. You know, I think for me, parkour has made me the most contemplative of any activity. Mm-hmm. Kind of what like I described with um with Joe was that like parkour and meditation and so many others are kind of just like different variants of like a shower thought. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in your shower, you're not on your phone, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not like doing anything else but showering, and it forces yeah. you to sit there and think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love that. Like, I feel like my best thoughts, my second best thoughts, probably come out of parkour meditation just because like you're not really doing anything else right you're just focused on like, the task at hand and i feel like when it comes to meditation that's breathing right it's a, your most basic practice but when it comes to parkour then maybe a few more elements but these are elements we're comfortable with if we're not mm-hmm. comfortable with them you don't get into the flow state right mm-hmm. and then with a the shower thought you're just like you know you're cleaning you're cleaning yourself you're cleaning your mind oh yeah it's all it's all really connected um, it's just kind of like pushing away all the unnecessary details, kind of like adding some like Gaussian blur or just like taking mm-hmm. away, like if you would think about it in a photo, like taking away the grain. You know? Yeah. It's just like the image at hand. Yes. Um, that's kind of the way I am understanding it. And like, there are like obstacles in your way, right? When doing parkour and that can include the actual obstacles, but also like, the mental obstacles of like doubt and insecurity and expectations and um, pride, right? These are all things like physical and non-physical that you have to jump through um, in parkour and everywhere else. But like what I love about parkour as an example, it's such a physical example of meditation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Having to go past your obstacles to get to your goal. Yeah. Um, I love it. No, I'm with you hundred percent, man. Yeah. I think I'm the kind of person where parkour is the, is maybe the best meditation for me or one of the best for sure. You know, I don't know if it's the best, but it's certainly top three, <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that, cause like you, what you're saying is the way I'm hearing it is anything can be meditation. If you're really, if, if you're completely engaged, it's a meditation. If you're completely in the moment, you're in flow state, you could be in flow state showering. You washing your arm and just be fucking washing the shit out of your arm, just like really knowing, like washing and just being like fully aware of like, and it could like you could learn something about yourself somehow that way. You know, you could have a realization about like life if you're like fully engaged because anything that you experience can be at that depth. I think, but for a lot of us, the word to say for is mindfully. Yeah, right? mindfulness. Like, I think for a lo- psychology and meditation class, and like, oh yeah, one of some of the exercises that we do is we mindfully walk. Mm. Um, I don't know if I told you about this last time, but like we spent 30 minutes mindfully walking around the classroom, like slowly pacing for 30 minutes without talking to each other. Yes. And by the end of it, you're kind of in this like meditation state too, because you're just in your thoughts walking. Um, We also had a homework assignment of mindfully eating where we were given like a pack of raisins and we had to spend like 20 minutes eating it. (laughs) <laughs> dude that's so dope i'm doing that i'm doing that i'm doing your homework in my life right now like i because i was so adhd or whatever like when i was growing up 
I never like took drugs for it and I never like was diagnosed, but mm. I just, I had a lot of extra energy and I had a lot of attention that I did not want to put like on what everyone else wanted to put it on. So parkour was like so good cause it could get me fully engaged in life and have this meditative experience. Um, but I've been doing that, dude. I've been doing like, I, I realized that I eat like crazy. Like everything became about speed and efficiency because parkour is about that. And that's like kind of style I developed. And so I actually went a little too far and my whole life was like, I wasn't, I wasn't living it unless I was like operating at max speed in parkour, you know? Um, that became my like drug. Huh? A to B lifestyle. Like you just, yeah, yeah. I was A to B baby. (laughs) So I'm, I'm like learning how to savor the moment more and have like slow thoughts and really use space and like emptiness to become, you know, there's that famous Bruce Lee quote, which is like empty the cup or maybe it's not his, I don't know which quote is his, but there's a quote that is about like empty the cup. So you may, you know, fill it again with something, you know, it's, it's got something to do with just basically you have to empty your cup. Otherwise you can't like be, you can't learn anything new. You have to like un empty yourself. Reckon by emptying that cup, you're, letting go of all those distractions or extra thoughts and just like being you, right? Mm-hmm. Like once you get rid of all those other like insecurities or just thoughts in your head, it's really just you and your mind. Um, everything, everything is in the mind. Play, but like, we don't have to go into that. It's more just like, you are who you are, right? And like, this is, I mean, this is getting fucking deep. <laughs> getting deep, baby. I don't know what I'm getting at. Um, all I'm saying is I feel like Parkour is such a mindful movement. Um, it has to be. If you're not mindful, that's where you bail. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that requires truth. And I think the, the more extreme you get with it, the more it requires of you. And that's why I think we tend to appreciate people that are really prolific or influential in the sport or that can do really amazing things. Um, people like Phil Doyle or Joe Hendo or Dom, you know, because we know that they must be super engaged and they must be super meditative in a way to be able to get to that level because you don't, you'll, you'll get smacked around. Like the world will fucking break your bones and rip your ankles in half and all sorts of things if you're not focused. And it's, it's really, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Right. Like, I feel like for athletes, just mindful movers. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> um, and that must be some Instagram hashtag, I bet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I keep getting to the point. That's why I wanted to start this project. Cause I just feel like there's so many similarities to meditation and flow state and that it just all connects and just no one really put the pieces together. And I want to show that in the exhibit. I ideally it would be more than just videos. I would like to create like sculptures and, you know, do some photos that are specifically around this. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should, man. I mean, you're doing some amazing things. It's awesome to see just everything, everything you're doing, man. It's dope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to wait to see what you're getting at. Um, but yeah, thank you for um, answering those questions. Yeah, hundred percent. Sorry. Hopefully I didn't ramble on too long. I felt like it was hard to put my finger on the deep questions. Very deep. We didn't have to. It's all, it's all good. Um, 
I was also going to mention off topic, but like, remember we were talking last time about how people or public parks and public sculptures, like these are things you view, but can interact with. And there are like interactive design and also like dynamic playgrounds, I guess, but there really like isn't um, public space that implores you or maybe that's the wrong word, but like asks of you to play around with it other than a playground. Like there isn't like adult playgrounds. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like why like why don't adult playgrounds exist? Like why I mean, there's so much I don't know. Like I mean they do exist, but they don't they're not right. They're not they're they're not adult playgrounds are like slot machines <laughs> and like Las Vegas seems like the most like adult. <laughs> Las Vegas is definitely like some somebody's version of a, the playground for sure. It's like, like it be like a place of like foolishness and play for adults. Yeah, well, I mean, Venice Beach kind of has that. You know, the the classic Santa Monica Pier, like those bars, those are like kind of famous for. But that's like it's more of like a workout calisthenics setup. It's not like it's not exactly a playground, and. I know what you mean. It's just like, there's, there's just not as much. I think people are going to come around to it. I think there'll be a lot more because I think people are, I think parkour is bigger than, than just like, you know, the love that we have for it. I think it just is something that's kind of, it shows, it indicates that people are wanting to get back in touch with their bodies, their human selves. And they're wanting to experience what it means to be human. And part of that is, what it means to be inside your body and move around and use it. Right. When you're a kid, you don't have all these extra thoughts because you're just young. Yeah. <laughs> innocent, you know? Well, and we all just, we all tried to get money and like buy shit and like have jobs and stuff. And that's all, that's going to continue on, I'm sure. But, you know, I just think it's just the cat's out of the bag now. We realize that it's just not, that's not the way to go unless it's your passion. Like it's just not going to, it's not going to fulfill you. Yeah, um, and a lot of people are finding a lot more fulfillment in their practices, their movement practices. Yeah, and we were kind of talking about how, like, in Denmark, they have these parkour parks. But oh yeah, almost feel like they're too parkoury, right? And, like the fact that they're almost like they're built for us, so then we don't want to train on them because they're like. No, this- no, no. Well, I actually had the I had the complaint that in Denmark, it's not that we they don't want to they don't want to train on them. They train on them exclusively. That's my complaint is that they only train on the parkour parks, which that's perfect. That's what the government wants. And that's kind of like, that's actually probably what you want in society. But because I'm not Danish, because I'm American, I still have like this chip on my shoulder where I'm like, I want to fucking train on things that aren't for parkour. Like I want to like repurpose something. I want to train on something that doesn't have, you know, it's not, it's not designated. It's not a safe place. It's not like, here's where you guys can play. I want to kind of like be like, I play where I want, you know, whatever it, it might be um, just that liberty, whatever, like that sense of liberty or, or, you know, I don't know. I'm not trying to say that Americans have it right. I'm just saying that's what I felt when I was in Dan- Denmark was I was like, damn, this is so great that we have all these parkour parks, but how come no one wanted to train on like, you know, brutalist architecture in the city, you know, or like, you know, I don't know. I like, I like the fact that you get kicked out of spots. I like the fact that you have to hunt down something. Like to me, that's part of the art form that I want to participate in, which is, you know, going to a spot, being a little bit more. Um, you feel like you're missing the parkour vision almost. Yeah. Uh, mm, 
I think it depends what kind of parkour vision you want. You know, I want the kind that involves repurposing architecture. And I like the kind that it's like a collaborative effort with the architects that made those structures, but not in a way that like they intended, you know, that's, that's what I like is like, you're, it's like remixing. You're like remix on this fucking building, you know? <laughs> but if like, but if someone makes you a beat, then it's not a remix. It's like, well, that's a, that's a collaborative effort. You know, the community in Dan- Denmark has done a really great job of providing a lot of excellent spaces for those people to train at. Um, and I'm sure they train all over the place too in other buildings, but I love the fact that I can go on top of a bridge or a building and do a jump that no one wants to do except me. And no one would want to do except for me and a few other people maybe. And make people kind of go fuck like you know like it's not exactly the reaction that i am after but it is like the fact that i know that i'm i'm in i'm what can you say like i'm creating something a little bit more unique i think or i'm helping expand what parkour can be when i do it when it's where it's not supposed to be you know that's an expansion of the border of parkour and expansion of my mind. Um, I already know I can do something if it's inside a park, then it's always, then it's only about the distances and the, you know, if you remove so much of the psychological factors that you mentioned, you know, people being insecure or feeling, you know, there could be spectators, it could be yelling, there could be people security on their way, whatever. I like all that as part of the art form. For me, that's, that's an interesting way to do it. More, need more the mental challenges in a way, or I guess physical. Like they're both. I mean, but I like the mental ones because I'm not. I mean, I'm trying to get to that dom level, but I feel like my body is also just not as robust as I'd like it to be. You know, I would like it to get like a lot stronger, but I don't know if I have the same skeleton that I could throw the the big dom fronts, for example. Yeah. Um, what did I try to get at? Yeah, I like the whole idea of like repurposing. I think when I think of your movement, there is a lot of like repurposing in mind. And I feel like um, with like these counterculture sports like skateboarding, surfing that you mentioned, and parkour, like the idea of repurposing is, is inherently almost part of it because that's where it came from. And maybe that's what's lost in a, in a parkour gym of any kind. Mm. Um, I mean, things are gained from, like, safety and understanding and, like, control. 100%. Um, the idea of this, like, repurposed creativity mindset is almost a little bit lost. A little bit. A little bit. Because it's like, is it even an obstacle if it's in a gym? Or is it a piece of equipment? Is it a playground, you know? It's a piece of playground equipment more than it's an obstacle. It's there for you to play on. Whereas if it's a wall outside, then it actually, you know... it you know, whatever. They're the same. It's not like you're, I don't need to be like so esoteric about it, but I just think that like, it is different. Fundamentally, one is an obstacle and one is a piece of playground equipment because one is made for you to play on. And one of them is made to keep you out of this or away from there, or it's made for something else. What is the wall, but an obstacle to stop you from doing something right. Or like putting on a, on a focused path. Like why, why do you need to use a wall like that? Like, why, why are you forced to follow the rules, like hidden silent rules of society of like what buildings are supposed to be used for and what curbs are supposed to be meant for? Like, why can't you just play? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I understand why people don't want us jumping off their buildings. 
you know, if I owned a building, I'd probably tell people to get the fuck off too, because I don't want to repair the roof. You know, if I don't understand it, I'm not going to be like interested in somebody get, everyone's afraid of getting sued. That's another problem with our culture is people are so litigious that they want to sue somebody and blame somebody else if they get hurt, which that needs to go away, you know, before we can really open up the barriers. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that people are against doing it. You know, like if someone builds a warehouse or builds a, a giant brick building, you know, it's to house the offices, it's to house the people inside. It's to like create a space for people to work in or whatever. Um, and so it's not necessarily to keep you out. It is a little bit, you know, it's to keep the public out it's to keep like birds from shitting on them and stuff, but <laughs> it's, it's not always like so combative, you know? Sometimes it's like, it's a public place, you know, a parking garage is for the public to, to park their vehicles on. It's not necessarily like, Oh, we don't want anyone to come here. But when you start climbing down the side of it or climbing up the side of it, that's when people get freaked out because they're like, like, I think that's what you're getting at. It's just like, Whoa, no one's supposed to do that. You're not supposed to use it that way. Stop that. Yeah. You know? And I, and I, I, I do like that it blows people's minds and it makes them question, you know, what these walls are really, about you know and what why is multi-purpose or why can't it be multi-purpose like why like a wall is a like a way to like house people but why can't it be more than that and why like what's stopping people from like understanding that we're not here to hurt ourselves we're just using that wall for more than its original purpose mm. you know mm-hmm. like and i feel like i saw this on facebook somewhere but like has anyone actually ended up getting sued from training a or like doing parkour, like we always say, like, "Hey, watch out!" But like, that's no- just like a, that's a cop out. That's like what skateboarders probably dealt with for years, like liability. Like, oh, it's liability. You know, if you injure yourself, they always tell you, if you injure yourself, then you know, blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, we know, dude. Whatever. We, we're not. No one's going to sue you. No one ever has. But like, there's no like pre-example of it. Like, I feel like if they had example, there'd be cause. But like we're not here to to fight you guys we're just well there's there's been people that have been like criminals robbing places right there's i think there's been legit court cases where criminals are robbing dude you guys do you guys get that covid scream at 8 p.m every night no dude i don't know what it is about coloradans but we're fucking stupid and everyone screams they howl at the moon at 8 p.m and it's supposed to be like in solidarity and like it's for like the healthcare workers and okay i get it but also it's annoying you hear that? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, what I was gonna, what was I saying? Um, single purposing maybe. Maybe, uh, I, maybe I lost it. These thought. fucking howlers. Um, yeah. Basically, I was. I think I was just getting at the. Oh, man, I forget what we were talking about. I just totally forget it. It's okay. Um, Couldn't have been that important, I guess. Yeah, I guess not. Um, oh, I mean, I was talking about like, why are things like multi-purpose and single purpose and we're talking about lawsuits. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say. There's been criminal cases where like, okay, some guy's breaking into another person's home. They fall and break their ankle and they sue the homeowner, even though they're robbing that guy. Really? And they've sued the homeowner because he didn't have sturdy enough roof or some shit and won because... I mean, like, there's, so there's been insane precedences because lawyers are just fucking slimy people sometimes and they'll, they'll manipulate the system. I don't know how it happens, but you probably have, like, just enough slimy precedences 
of like shitty people, you know, just putting the blame out on other people that that all of a sudden becomes legitimate fear to an extent, you know, whatever. There was the famous one where the coffee, the coffee was too hot at McDonald's and this guy sued McDonald's for spilling. He burned his hand because the coffee was too hot and he, he won millions of dollars from McDonald's. You know, when I was growing up, that was a, a famous story. And it's just absolutely insane. I, I hopefully we're, mo- we're moving past that as a culture and we all start becoming, you know, just a little more sovereign and autonomous and responsible for ourselves. Cause that's just absurd. And maybe once that goes away, we won't have to deal with so much um, bullshit when it comes to people like worrying about what we're doing, you know? It seems like you kind of like part of that. I, I do, but only because I have to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fucking complain about it. That's really my position is I'm not going to complain about it because I'm just going to be like, that's cool. That's part of the challenge, whatever. If it's not something I can change, it's like, to me, I see it as a fundamental like societal um, issue that is it's just going to take a long time. So I'll play into it. You know, this is the card we're dealt. And, and again, I understand where property owners are coming from. If you own the building, you believe that it's your building, do whatever you want with it. You know, if you're paying the taxes on it, you're fixing the roof, you're fixing the rails. If anyone breaks them, if a brick gets knocked loose, which is rare, but it happens, then fine, kick us off. You know, like we should have to earn it anyways. You know, it is just what it is. And I don't think skateboarders have it any easier. I don't think BMXers have it any easier. I don't think snowboarders have it any easier. You know, they're doing snowboard stunts in the streets now, right? There's like real snow where they're building snow ramps. And, um, I wouldn't expect us to get special treatment or anything, but I would say that like, you know, I, hopefully we live in a world where eventually more people are just cool about it, you know? And I think most people are, um, I think mostly, I mostly I feel bad for the people that call the cops before they even are willing to talk to you or they, they come out and they're pissed off and they're angry because I know it's not really at me. It's just like their life is not good. That's why they're so upset, you know? And so mostly I pity people if they're, if they're really upset, you know, I'm just like, Oh, that sucks for them. They have a shit life. That's why they're so mad that I'm just like near their balcony or whatever, you know, like, and I don't blame it because life's hard and it's shitty for a lot of people. So the fact that I have free time to go jump on walls and, and just dick around in the sun, you know, and I'm choosing to do with that with my life. Like I can see why some people, they become so bitter that, that, that even the sight of a parkour person just having a great ass time can be irksome, you know? So I take it as a privilege and I try to just be happy about it. Solution, virtual parkour park. No one gets involved all virtual. Ooh, that'll be the day. Minecraft parkour everywhere. When we all have, we're like on like hamster ball, like 3D things. And we like, cause I still want to like feel myself do it, but, or if we're in like a harness, <laughs> I'm imagining our world just becoming like Wally. <laughs> so oh man, yo, yeah, yeah. I hope that hopefully that never happens. But you can see why they made that movie. It's so so fast. I want to see that again. That movie is fascinating. Every time I see something dystopian happen, like Wally, it's gonna happen. I see it. Like, like food smoothies already a thing. It's already happened when you think about it. Like how many people are like that's what they that's what they've chosen. They've chosen. Um, there's people that are in much. I'm not talking about the people that are in like marginalized positions and like, you know, there's systematic oppression and stuff throughout the, you know, society, but there's so many people that are just willfully like eating the shittiest food and just, you know, buying in on the, the easiest, the easiest route forward, you know, and just relying on technology and 
and they're just not trying to do anything with their life, you know? They're coasting. As far as I can tell. I mean, it's hard. It's hard, though. Fuck, I, I know what it feels. I've, I've been in that mode. Sometimes you got to be in that mode, but it's when you get stuck there. Ooh. I guess that's the non the flow state, right? It's, things are just too easy. There's no challenge. Yeah, yeah. We've become soft, you know? We've become soft as a species in a lot of ways when you think about it. There's like a lot of hardwired grit. To become strong is to become useful. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is, that, is that it? Like, I don't know if that's the code is to become strong is to become useful, but I think that is like the, the policy was become strong to become useful. Yeah, I feel like. Like, like be, you can become strong and not be useful, but they're recommending be strong so you can be useful. Yeah, that's, that sounds more right. And that goes to what we're saying. Like, I feel like people are choosing to not work on themselves almost. And well, here's the fucking crazy part is parkour can be the same path. Yeah. I think parkour can be the path that people are taking in Wally. Go on. In that, if you're really on the, and not real parkour, like the real parkour, the path that they're talking about, be strong, be useful. All I'm saying is that might take you out of the parkour community sometimes. And some people will latch on to the parkour community, myself included, to, for a sense of safety, for a sense of, of what did you call it? Coasting, you know? a sense of just like I'm here and I don't have to do anything. Finally, I found my people, whatever. And I'm not saying that that's not valuable because it's it's like parkour has given me so much. And the fact that, you know, I've had that sense of community and still have it is amazing. But I'm saying you can trap yourself in the parkour community the same way you can trap yourself. Like it's all in your head, you know, it's all your relationship to it. But I think that like, for me, I think I noticed in myself. And so I think it's a real thing. You know, I've, I've seen it in other people as well, that you might not be getting your best results out of yourself by continuing to do jumps and parkour. Um, and not to say that you have to stop, but if your whole life revolves around it, the way mine once did, eventually you're going to have to probably develop yourself in other areas unless it really works out, you know? You have to, no matter what. I think yeah. in any sport at the age of 40, 50, you can't really do the same amount that you did when you were 20. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to like find some kind of off direction, right? I, I mean, I started finding at the age of 17 just because of injury. But like mm-hmm. um, you just have to force to think like, oh, wait, like I do love this, but do I love other things? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's, that, that's the flow state because really what you're doing is if you're, not in the, if you're in the flow state – one of the big things you're feeling is like you're feeling your yourself, your relationship to things. You're feeling like, what does it feel like? Do I like, am I really enjoying parkour or am I just doing it because it's like habit or am I just doing it because I feel like I need another clip because I'm addicted to like likes on Instagram or whatever, you know, like it can be a hundred different things and it could be all healthy or it could be all unhealthy or it could be all like focused and helping you, you know, develop yourself or it can be, completely unconsciously like developing yourself or it can be, you know, it can be anything, but I'm just saying I've experienced like the full spectrum in some ways with parkour of like it working for me, working against me, you know, me being really, really passionate about it, me losing some of that passion and not knowing what, what, what's happening and stuff like that. Um, but it's all part of life. And the more you can, I think just tune into that self, that's when you're back in the flow state and that's when you can perform your best anyways with any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But follow the flow state, I would say. Follow the flow state, even if it takes you 
you know, not into jumps for a minute. Just go with the flow, right? Nope. Well, uh, that's tough because going with the flow can also be taken to mean like, oh, just do nothing. Just like float around and let the world push you around, I think. That's what some people take that as. Yeah, more but, like... But going with the flow state, going with that flow is like, it's a lot. It's not very much going with the flow. It might take you, it might make you completely the opposite of, of going with the flow, you know, with others. Because mm -hmm. everyone else might want to do one thing, but if you're in your flow state, it might take you a different way. That's true. But again, you're, you're still flowing, right? You're, you're always going... Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like, when you say go with the flow... I think of like the herd one, like the herd mentality more than I think of like, uh, you know, uh, the flow state. I think Bruce Lee or maybe Jet Lee, I don't even know. Like maybe that's the same person. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, it's not the same person, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Bruce Lee's a perfect example. Like he, from what I know, and I haven't studied Bruce Lee, but he's like so prolific because he didn't go with, what was told and what was expected of him. And he started blending different martial arts and creating his own style, his unique style. That was like one of his biggest things. He's like, I'm making my own thing. He's like, I'm not doing there. I'm not doing, you know, parkour, you know, I even say you're doing parkour, parkour in a way it can be like a religion if you let it. And yeah. you know, you, you could be like limiting your movement, limiting your expression. If you limit yourself to being just a parkour athlete or just, interested even within parkour in just a certain type of movement etc so bruce lee is such a great example because that was like that's like his message 100 i think is just to become uniquely you you have to go against the others sometimes and he got a lot of shit you know from from martial artists and when he was in the movies he got a lot of shit for the way he acted and behaved because and like what he demanded from certain like productions i think because he wanted to do things a certain way, but that's why they ended up being so, so impactful, you know, because he didn't, he didn't listen to them. He did what he needed to do. Yeah. Like I, I say this to all my friends who are, who study art and use like pre-made filters. Like mm. what are you, what are you learning? What kind of art are you making if you're just copying a filter? Mm -hmm. right? Like where is the art in that? When you're just yeah. replicating the classic blue and orange, <laughs> yeah um yeah, you're gonna get likes but like so what what do these likes mean like you're not creating you're just replicating yeah that so i've always i've always pushed awesome. my friends, like, even if your videos aren't beautiful looking or if your photos aren't the best color correction at least they're your color correction mm -hmm. mine are horrible by the way I overdo <laughs> everything i oversaturate i over edit i make it super contrasted and clarity <laughs> But that's what I like. Yeah, I'm like, I'm extra, baby. And like uh, somebody who is like a professional cinematographer or photographer or somebody or director of photography would probably tell me like, your fucking, your shit looks like trash. You know, they'd probably say that and they'd probably be right because they know more about that than me. But like you said, like, it's not even about that for me. It's, it's the, the fact that I got to express myself that way. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. Yeah. Oh. And ideally, like if you're doing it for yourself, then like, have it be all you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. including the color correction including your movement including why you're doing it in the first place <laughs> yeah not doing it for insta fame but doing it because like you're here on instagram to show off who you are in a way yeah yeah and and then there's always the other side too there's always the other side it's never just one thing you know meaning what? you might come up against uh 
you might, I mean, I think it, I think that is where it starts. I think you have to be an individual, but also not to do, not to get Insta fame, but if you have a dream, you have to be realistic about what it entails too. I think potentially like, be like, if join you're, oh, you're good. Um, join. I just mean that like, uh, you got to pick your battles. Like you're not going to express yourself maybe in every domain. It might be okay to pinch and borrow from other people and copy paste their filters if uh if that's not how you express yourself but i was more saying that like it's, it's like going from like being a rebellious teen to like being a part of society is eventually you're going to give up some yeah exactly i was just talking with phil about this um oh really yeah his episode i'm about to release actually and he was saying exactly what you just said it's just like eventually you got to participate you know and i was talking with valentin you know who valentin dubois is yeah i do He's, he was staying in Colorado and actually it might've been him, not even Phil, but I think Phil touched on it as well. Both of them. It's, it's just like, we, we, as a culture, the whole, the whole of the parkour community. Um, well, I think we are just kind of going this way and we're figuring it out. You know, I'm figuring it out. We all are. It's not like anyone's to blame, but it's just something that we really struggled with for a long time is just accepting that we, if we want a piece of the pie, if we really want parkour to grow in a, in a, in a big way, we have to compromise in certain areas there has to be a little bit of like concession made. Um, yeah, there just has to be, we can't, we can't be our own entity in a world that's already like, and why would we want to be like, if we really want to exist in a vacuum or do we want to like, cause that doesn't affect anybody. Now we're just talking to ourselves, you know? So, so work, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe like if we're repurposing then that means we're already part of a society Mm-hmm. It can't be a vacuum. Yeah, we're already automatically in a va- in already a space. If we're just doing parkour in a gym, then it doesn't matter. The conversation is not important. But because we're already part of this world and we're using their walls and we're part of their conversation, and so then we should have to give up some to get more. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, you got to make a few little things here and there. And hopefully you can be like Bruce Lee. And hopefully you can you can still stay to stick to your guns enough. And you can be so such an impactful person that you don't have to make as many compromises, right? You know, I mean, that's that's the dream as well. You know, but store it's like okay, store is super impactful. Yeah. They're killing the game. They're getting opportunities to work with Michael Bay, right? But I guarantee when they're talking to Michael Bay, it's not like yo, Michael Bay, this is how we're doing it. All right fucking just chill. All right. This is what it's going to look like. Obviously they're taking direction from this amazing director, you know? And I'm, you know, I like roof culture Asia more than I like six underground, but that doesn't matter. Like it's still amazing for them to be able to do that and participate in this bigger society and like bring parkour into a bigger scope. Or becoming, being at that show. It's like one of the most expensive Netflix shows of all time. Like the feet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool when we got ultimate chase tag or whatever the fuck on Fox coming out. That's That's going to be interesting. That looks, I mean, let's be honest. It just looks like trash television to me. But again, I don't care that it's fucking garbage. It's good for us. It's good for everyone's opportunity. And, and that's just where we're at. We can't like, you know, like some of my favorite, like intellectuals, people that I really admire for other things, their path is peppered with, you know, some, some not so tasteful, um, historical things, you know, like there's this guy, Aubrey Marcus, I follow, and he's, he's a really smart, intel, like amazing entrepreneur. He's like created this 
this uh, supplement brand with Joe Rogan called On It, and and before that he was selling flashlights. You know, it's just like I'm not saying we're on a flashlight stage. I'm just saying you know we just we all have done embarrassing shit. If I looked at my Facebook feed when I was 14 and I did one time ago, I don't know, whenever, not 14, whenever, how old I was like, you know, 18 or 19 when I started Facebook, I was just so immature. It's just like, you're not going to get there. Like it's, it's, it's embarrassing for sure. And like, yeah, like, but I had to get through that stage and you know, we're, we're like a young pup still in terms of like what parkour is and how, how it's maturing in society. And so, yeah, we're going to have like, kind of immature, you know, ultimate tag and ultimate tag is probably going to be really cool, but I still think it's like, it's going to pale in comparison to what the epitome of parkour will look like, you know? Yeah. Also because feel- it's so produced, you can see it's like, so there's so many production people in that just telling people like more, more, like be more ridiculous. You know, like there's just people like I'm the fucking, I don't know. I saw one today. She's like, I'll steal your soul. And it's like, you know you won't you won't steal anyone's soul yeah, we love a good sob story as well just to get some more info clicks yeah and it's appealing to the masses and it's appealing to people's lowest common denominator and it's appealing to their lowest level of consciousness and their lowest like you know it's just it's it's just what it is but like again that's how we get people on board candy baby yeah. trail of candy trail of bread comes and then we'll get them into you know get the fatties in the wally chairs up and off that Wally chairs, maybe one day into a parkour gym where they can try it out in a little bit of safe space and then start exploring the world and using their body in a different way, you know? So it's about, it's just, it's baby steps. Yeah. I, I feel like we are going towards a good direction. I think store is a good example of where we're headed. I, I think they're showing that athletes can be treated well, that they treat the space well. Like I, I, I loved how Callum was talking to the people in the apartment with like respect and, it just shows like we aren't these like immature kids who are just like trying to like be rebellious. Like we're just trying to move, but we're moving within your space. So we're going to be like nice about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that was a really good example of like where parkour could go. If that image is spread. Yeah, absolutely. And they're doing a good job. They have like 5 million subs now. Like they're, they're spreading it. They almost at six too. I think it's crazy. Yeah. Shout out the store boys killing it. I got to get them on this podcast one of these days. I can, I can, if I, if Ben, if Ben gets on, I can relay the message. Yeah. Send him a, send him a, just warm him up for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, let's wrap this up. Um, All right. Absolutely. This was really helpful again. It's going to be another two hours of editing. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll the best moments. Um, how does, yeah, how does like your podcast work? Are you going to choose the best moments? Or are you just going to take all of it? Like I, I usually just post the whole thing. You know, including this part, like what, like what's, what's included? (laughs) Everything, everything. I'll take it all, baby. I mean, here's the thing. I have a full-time job and I have a life and I want this to be more bigger part of my life. Um, but I also, I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time editing and taking clips right now. And I think as I'm developing myself as a personality and as a voice and as like my, not even a personality, just literally who I am. I'll get more and more honed in on exactly what I want to do with this podcast. And I'll start putting a lot more effort into marketing it and promoting it and stuff. But I don't take any pleasure in that. So for me, that's the compromise that I'm going to have to make is like, once I want to get really serious about the podcast, I'm going to have to do all those clips. I'm going to have to like eat the, you know, I'm gonna have to eat my veggies basically. 
Um, and I'm going to have to like do what I just talked about, which is like, I have to placate to the lowest common denominator a little bit. I have to like come up with some nice clips and there's some great, we've had some great little clips, you know, we've had some amazing little chunks of this conversation. The whole thing's been great, I think, but there's been little moments where I think, Oh, that'd make a great clip. I just, I don't want to hunt it down and edit it right now because it's, it's so time consuming to do a video in terms of like, Will we post it before the gallery or during the gallery? Like when I open up the... Oh, uh, I can post it whenever you want. I could post it. Uh, I could post it next week. I could post it. Maybe like a week beforehand. That's like a yeah. way to hype up or like. Yeah. When? When is it opening? Well, when I, probably like ideally across your fingers, like the virtual one, like end of summer. Oh, okay. Like I'm really hoping beforehand. Like, oh, okay. Well, I'm if not, it's going to be that long, I might want to, I might ask you if I can publish it a little earlier, but it well, doesn't matter. Why I want to let you know, just because okay. like, I am, well, I'm still like, I got to finish the project first and then find a way to code it. So it's going to uh-huh. take like, at least knowing me like a month and a half, at least. Yeah. That's the least spectrum. Well, that, that might be good then because that'll give people time to listen to this episode if we do publish it earlier. And then get some hype going for the next time. And then you can come back on and talk about how that project is going. Because I think it'll be fun to get updated after this launches, if we air this first. Yeah, no one steal my domain name, domain name please. Nobody take it. All right? <laughs> the fuck out of here. It's your, it's, it's your own. That could be the Barbara Streisand effect, but like, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, yeah, if anyone else is curious with this project, I'm not going to like link my Instagram, but like, hit me up. Um, you know where to find me probably, hopefully. Um, I would love to interview as many people as possible and gather as much content as needed. And uh, hit me up if you're thinking about joining me or if I should do the Parkour Hall of Fame because I think that's a dope idea. Um, I, I am yeah. definitely thinking more about it now. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, man. I, uh, I love what you're doing. And yeah, we'll have to have you come back on because if it's going to be two months or a month and a half, that's, uh, I just want to, yeah, let's, let's get back together and uh, let's check in. Cause I want to see how this project turns out with you for sure. Definitely. Well, thank you for letting me or having me on, even though it's kind of a mutual. Oh inter- yeah, man. No, this is always, it's been really fun talking to you the last two weeks. Really fun. And then, um, I guess like, can we stop the recording really quick? Yep. Yep. See you guys. Bye. I know it's all my fault. Yeah. That's what's up. All right. Oh, man. Thank you, Jerome. Thank you guys for listening. That was episode 85. And holy shit, we are getting up there. Thank you guys for being a part of this project. As always, I have to ask, please subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And please leave us some five stars in the in the review sections. And tell your friends and tell me what you want to see and engage and you know all the things all the things but thank you guys for being a part of it just listening we really appreciate everyone that just does that and by god by god if there's anything else i need to say i'll say it on the next episode i love you guys take care